It is your classic metal show right here on the classicmetalshow.com. That is Dokken, and uh, that is uh, the lesser of two evils. And Don is looking for his house phone. <laughs> Can't find it. Yeah, I called him on his cell phone. He goes, I, "I'm I'm grabbing my I'm grabbing my house phone. I'll call you in a minute." All right. So he was just so like, "He'll call about two thirty. Nah, he was he was just. I just talked to him a second ago. He goes, "Let me let me grab my house phone. I'll call you right back in two minutes." Okay. Did you look yeah. at the video? That's what I was doing. I was watching the video. Not bad. Yeah. Very. I like, some, I like those effects that they got in there. Yeah, low-budget video. There wasn't a lot of money spent on that. It, but uh, I tell you what, with all the new technology that they have these days, the uh, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. When you think looked- when you think about you know back in the '80s when you know uh, MTV videos were popular and whatnot. Yeah. Um, those videos cost like a quarter million dollars. Yeah. You know, to, to film a video for MTV. Right. These, these days you can film a video for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. 300 bucks and a fucking green screen. A green Good. screen, uh, like a GoPro. Yeah. That's all you need. And you can uh, do a high def video for cheap. Yeah, exactly. Shoot on your iPhone. No kidding. So, uh, anyway, uh, you you saw it. I saw it. Looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I thought it was good, and I like I like the the fast slow thing that they're doing with the everybody's doing it now. But I like there's a couple of scenes in there where they show Jeff and George just fucking rocking the fuck out because they go into like the double speed thing. Right. I like that. So that that'll be that'll probably be released uh, next month, I believe, sometime in February as a run up to the release of the uh, DVD. Oh, we're finally going to get that, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, they they've been working on the editing and all that kind of stuff because I I think, you know, when I went to um, South Dakota a year right. ago, a little over a year ago, uh, where, when they played at Badlands Pond, mm-hmm. and uh, then they went to Japan right after that. Sure. They filmed, you know, the uh, they filmed the show at the Badlands Pond, and they filmed uh, some of the stuff in Japan, and I guess it's going to go together and. Probably the guy who could tell us a little more about that is Don himself. Hey, Don, what's going on? Hey, Voss, how you doing, my brother? I'm good, man. We were just talking about uh, the upcoming DVD and uh, the fact that you guys have been working on it for over a year and doing all the editing and splicing and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know enough about it to talk intelligently about it, but since you're the guy in the Bay, you would know everything about that. Well, you saw the new video, right? I did. It's uh, it's Chris, pretty badass, huh? Yeah, Chris and I were just talking about the effects that you put in there, the the fast and the slow mo and the special effects, and we were talking about you know the fact that back in the eighties, when you know MTV was the way that a lot of the bands were promoted, you guys would spend you know a quarter million to half a million dollars on a video. Easy and. We were talking about that. The new video, it's it's, a, it's just another day. If you look at there's some, like, footage in the background, like superimposed um, from Breaking the Chains and In My Dreams and Heaven Sent. And we, th- we threw a couple little old clips back, kind of superimposed in the background, like, you know, a bit of nostalgia. But, yeah, we were laughing because it's probably one of our best videos we've ever done, and it, it didn't cost close to what we used to play pay because back in the day it was film you know now i mean come on everybody's got an iphone and you got 
GoPros, and you can make a, you know, people are making movies on GoPros now, so the cost has come down from a quarter of a million down to nothing. Absolutely. Now, I, I noticed some of the uh, footage that you put in the new video came from the, I think I sent you that DVD actually a few years ago of the uh, Philadelphia show. That, yeah. That you opened for Aerosmith on that tour, and um, it looks like you lifted some of the video from that. I'm not sure what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a pulpery. It took us some time. Jamie Brown's a really good director. He did uh, some lynch mob stuff and the KXM videos that George did with Doug Pinnock. And so I picked him. I liked his stuff. And it, it was hard. You know, I mean, you know, like, you know, we went on, it took us eight hours. You know, we do a lot of green screen and live. and But we didn't want to get too fancy schmancy. I saw the new... Uh, uh, White Snake video, the burn live with the girl and the snakes and the demons and the fire. And I'm thinking, it's cool, but what does it have to do with anything? So we just try to keep it more of a straight ahead performance piece. Sure. Uh, it looks good. And, I, you know, I know the fans are going to be extremely excited, especially the hardcore Dokken fans that uh, have that attitude that with no George or Jeff, there's no Dokken. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know it's kind of funny. There's one shot of me where I where I look like I am now, and then there's a little shot in the right where it's some like what we call a glory shot, you know, for me back on Heaven Sent. And I was like, God dang! I go, I look like a little baby face, man. I didn't know I looked that that young, you know. But yeah, I thought George showed off the video, and he had kind of a little bit of a scruff on him, a little bit of gray beard and gray hair, and I thought it was cool. George just being himself, and you know, we all got shorter hair and. Um, it was a lot of fun to get together with them. I, I don't know why it took a frickin' year to do this, you know, the, the whole live DVD, but we had almost two hours of just backstage goofing around on the train, you know, going to Osaka, Nagoya, uh, you know, on the train, having fun backstage, screwing around. That took forever to edit. So uh, we're on the new live DVD, there's going to be a lot of bonus footage. A lot of just candid, messing around, having fun. Because, you know, George and Jeff haven't been in the docking for over 20 years. Sure. Now, now, Don, when, when you were putting this together, is it hard? is it hard to watch and be objective to it? Just because, one, it's not the band that you play with all the time anymore. So, you know, you kind of you kind of perform the songs a little bit differently or with a little idiosyncrasies that are different from what you did for this for these this one set of shows. So was it was it difficult to watch and not be overly critical of of what's going on, you know, in in the Japan shows? It was it, yeah, it was a bit tough because being the exact producer, you know, I I don't want it to make it a Don Dokken video and it's all about me and you know, I just try to make everybody look as good as possible, and it's kind of, it's trippy to look at the video and try to make, we obviously want to look good, you know. I have bad habits that I do live. I, I close my eyes when I sing a lot, so you get a lot of shots, you know, like all these shots of me, my eyes are closed, and or I'm grimacing, and, you know, George has a tendency, he's got his habits where he, he kind of looks down at his guitar a lot because he's concentrating on his playing. So I'm trying to get shots of him where he's looking up. And it took a long, long, long time to, to try to be objective. On this newest video on, on the song, it's, it's Just Another Day, 
you know, we didn't have a lot of Mick, you know, so I had to really try to go through the footage and try to make sure Mick, I just tried to, the biggest challenge was to make everybody have equal time. And if you notice on the new video, uh, it's rapid fire. I mean, it's cut, 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 cut. I mean, it's just going, man. It's just cutting, you know. But you don't want to make it like, what? What happened? You know, we want everybody to have a good good shot. But it was hard, and um, it's it's weird to be objective. Yeah, all these years later, you know, we look different, and uh, we all have our own little quirks and personalities, and I just try to capture that. No doubt, man. Uh, now, when you saw the final cut of the video, or let me even go back a little bit further to when you heard the song completed, because I, I I know when we had talked to you before the song was was done, when you when you guys were just putting it together, you really weren't like jumping through hoops like, oh, this is going to be the greatest docket song, whatever, you know. Which a lot of that comes when when you are in creative mode, you're never satisfied. But now that the song yeah. is done, the video's done, and everything, how do you feel about the song? I'm really happy. I think it's very docking sounding. It's very classic '80s. Uh, our, what you guess you could saw our glory day kind of sounding video, big harmonies. It was nice and refreshing to hear Jeff and Mick singing background vocals. And but uh, you know when they first they wrote the song, I guess George and Jeff. I wasn't there. They wrote it, and when they gave it to me, yeah, I wasn't excited. I wasn't really that over the moon over it. It was kind of slow and kind of moody and kind of slow and dirgy and you know and but george likes to play those heavy kind of slow grooves heaven sentish and i said the guys you know and actually jeff had written the lyrics jeff had written all the vocals and i just said you know i i'm not i don't like it you know i, I said if we're going to do a video after decades you know two decades i think the song should be kicking rocking up tempo you know, so I did what I do, you know, and I said, why don't we just speed this baby up and kick it in the ass and let me have a crack at it. You know, maybe let me try to come up with some lyrics and a, and a chorus and just let me have a crack at it. And I said, if you guys don't like it, we'll stay with what you have. But at the end of the day, I went to Jeff's house, his recording studio, and then, like I was telling Window, I, I wrote the lyrics in like 30 minutes, I mean, from scratch. I wrote the whole song in like a half an hour. And I just wrote it said it did it sang it and then i listened to it and about a week later i said mm, it's really good a little negative a little bit of crying in my beer a little too you know the lyrics to me were too much oh you love me you left me you bitch you know kind of stuff so i kind of <laughs> changed all that and tried to make it more upbeat and more hopeful lyric i made some changes and i said let me know what you think jeff and i played it for george and everybody listened to the new version and they all loved it and that was it well, well, Don. Since since all this has taken place, and I and I, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time. How is your relationship between you, George, Jeff? Obviously, Mick plays with you, but has has your relationship with the other guys become kind of amicable, more amicable than it has in the past due to this reunion and the fact that you guys have worked together? Uh, you know over the last year? Yeah, I, I would say that I had some trepidation. Obviously, you know, we've been getting offers for years and years and years to do a reunion, quote-unquote, tour. And I said, guys, I'm not interested, you know. Docking to me is Chris McCarville, Wild Mick Brown, and John Levin, who's been in the band for 20 years. That's Docking. 
I don't see why I need to go back in time and do this. What's the point? If it's just for money, they know how I feel about that, and there's more to life than money, you know? You can live in a mansion and drive a Ferrari and be miserable. And I said, I, I, I'm not interested. So I had some trepidation. I didn't, we only rehearsed with Jeff and George, and we, all, we only rehearsed for three days when we did the, uh, what was that, South Dakota, one show only in America, where we filmed, and uh, at the... Badlands uh, Pond. Badlands Pond, which is now gone. Well, it was a short-lived venue, a nice venue. But uh, they showed up, we rehearsed, went to Japan, we filmed the show, we did you know, these huge arenas sold out, and, and it was great. And uh, I was there at the time, and I'd taken my girlfriend at the time with me to Japan, and my kids, and my son, and my daughter, Tyler and Jessica. And I was only there like one night when I first got there, and I had a complete meltdown with uh, my ex, E, you know, E. And so um, she just, I don't know, she just lost it. And I just went, oh, man. So that kind of screwed me up. And the very first show we started doing, I was not in a good headspace, and I was not in a any mood to do a concert, and I had this complete really bad falling out with her and she literally flew to japan on a friday and left on saturday and i thought well this would be a good opportunity for these guys to bust my balls <laughs> and but you know but they were all really uh it was very it was very sweet of them george and jeff said man are you all right bro you, you look you just look like you're you look like you get hit by a truck and i said yeah man it was like uh, i'm not in, i'm not doing good emotionally or mentally i'm it's just i had a really bad uh, falling out and they were like completely compassionate about the whole thing. And then every show after that, they kept asking me, how you doing? Are you all right today? You know, are you, are you cool? And then we can help you out with, you know, are you all right? And I said, yeah, man, I'll get, I'll get my head in this. You know, it's just, uh, um, you know, I just had a, had a bad thing happen. So uh, they were very nice and compassionate. And George and I shot the shit for hours and hours every day over sake and beer and the trains and the bullet trains. And we talked about everything from politics to spirituality. And it was all good, you know. So, and, and Jeff, he's such a addict. He's almost maybe worse than me when it comes to music. I mean, every day Jeff's on the bullet train, looking at the footage the night before. And he's looking at this. He's looking at that. Check this out. How about that? It's a good shot. He's mixing the songs. He's trying to figure out what's the best takes. And... So it was always, it, it was a band effort that was nice, you know, and the tour could have been a total disaster because I was in good spirits. Um, my kids wanted to go to Japan because it had been a reunion. It was a big deal. And they showed up in Japan, which I'm really glad they were there to support me. And then, unfortunately, my person I had the relationship with, you know, just had a complete uh, personality meltdown and... So I was a bit of a mess. So I had my kids, I had the van, and they're all very supportive. And that kind of helped out, unfortunately, in this new song. You know, I just wrote what I felt, and and I and this whole this whole song is kind of like screw it. You know, the whole song's about today's Monday and shit don't go right. There's always tomorrow, and that's why the song's called "It's Just Another Day." Sure. Well, you broke the you broke the uh, Don Dockin cardinal rule. You never take your chick on the road. Oh man, you are so right, man. <laughs> and I had the same problem with John and and Chris. We were in Spain last year. 
We went to Europe, and every time I'd bring whatever her name is, there was always a problem, always a meltdown, always drama. And and I'm like, everybody knows the golden rule. You don't take your chick on the road. Well, you had the problem with Barry. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> God. You had to bring that up. Yeah, Barry, I loved him so much. And he's like, I want my girl on the road. And I'm like, well, okay, you can bring in your road, girl on the road, but she's nine months pregnant. <laughs> I go, it's a little bit stressful. The nine month uh, girl is pregnant and farting all the time. You know, I go, this was a bit stressful with Barry, and it, it basically that's why Barry left the band. You know, he, he it it screwed him up. You know, <laughs> very good. Well, well, Don, uh, we we're looking forward to seeing the DVD. I mean, it's been a long time in coming, and I know a lot of news. Music news outlets have been, you know, hyping it up a bit and talking about it. And I know you've done a couple interviews recently where, you know, people are kind of getting excited. So when is this thing going to hit the stores or be available for purchase? Well, I, I, I blew it out the door. I signed off on it as executive producer about four days ago. I mean, when the video, Jamie Brown, the director and producer, did a great job, but you know, I just wanted to sit down with them and just tweak it the best we could. And let's see, today's Sunday. I just signed off on it for like four days ago. Chris McCarville, the bass player and doc, and he, he edited the Japan footage. He did all the editing on that. He's really good. And I wanted him to edit it because he's in docking, because he knows the songs. He had a nice outside look through the window and he had an objective Opinion. I didn't want to go in like I did Life from the Sun, where, uh, you know, I'm trying to edit something that I'm really biased to everything. So I kind of cut it loose to Chris and said, just take the best footage you can find, do what you think is best. I'll, put, I'll throw in my two cents and, you know, I'm going to stay out of it, you know. And uh, so he did. He did a great job. And on this video, uh, it's pretty cool, you know. And, uh, you know, it's going to. I. I I have a good feeling and a bad feeling about this because I know, I know that when this video hits the streets, it's going to go viral. I already know that. It's obvious. You know, the video's over the top. It's killer. Great song. It's like, it's just like a Paris is Burning meets In My Dreams. It's catchy. It's, it's classic sounding. George did an insane solo on it. The solo he did was really, really, I was really proud of George. He did a really melodic, you know, shredding. He's shredding, but it's at the same time, it's very melodic. So the catch-22 is it comes out, it's the old members, it's what we call it, the OG, you know, original gangsters, And um, but this is not my lineup I've had for 20 years, so I'm going to go forward with the band I have now. And this was a one-time thing in life, one-time shot, one song, that's it. And, of course, already the phone's ringing off the hook, people throwing money at us for uh, a show, you know, with George and Jeff and Meg. But, you know, as you know, Jeff's in Warner. George has a million projects going on with KXM and Lynch Mob and... We all have our own things going on, but I just have no reason or desire to return to that uh, lineup. But what's the old saying? You never say never. So, Well, that, that's good that you have that attitude, and I'm glad the guys, be it uh, Chris and, and John, are very 
open to your, you know, opportunity there for you because they're, they they don't seem like guys that would just like abandon you. But, uh, you no. know, s- speaking of abandoning, I, I see that Oni Logan uh, called it quits from Lynch Mob. Again? Again. <laughs> oh, you no know, way, man. Well, I think... I think, and again, I don't know, but I think because George got his fingers in so many different projects at one time, all the time, that, true. that he wants to, Oni probably wants to work or maybe needs to work, and, yeah. you know, George is too busy doing other things, and yeah. this, this whole thing with uh, with with Mick and, and George and Jeff and, and the former Lynch Mob singer, current Warrant singer, Robert Mason... Is that super stroke or super, super stroke? Super or? stroke, which I, I don't stroke. get the whole thing. I really don't because it's it's just Lynch Mob with Jeff on base. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. And uh, but you know, I mean, that's what they, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing with other people and other musicians and doing side projects. And but you guys know me. I mean, Chris and you, you know, my life is about docking, and that's all I want to do. I've had tons and tons of offers to do side projects the only time i step out is to produce a band but not play or sing in a band this is what i do for a living this is my life and um i did have a talk with george uh you know while we we're doing the video and he told me the situation with was what what was going on and with some of his stuff and said this is between me and you and you know this is what's going on and i said done and i'm not going to talk about it because he asked me not to so i'm going to honor uh george's request not to talk about why whatever's going on lynch mob or kxm or Superstroke or yeah i'm not going to talk about it because it's not my business but yeah we talked about it and you know like you said though but i mean if only he wants to go out and sing he wants to go out and play and you know it's got to be different difficult when you're a musician and you want to go out and play and tour and make a living and keep the lights on and and you know someone takes time off to go do it this band and that band and this band and you're sitting around doing nothing i can i respect that you know i mean everybody's in a different financial situation some people need to go out and work for a living and sure. luckily for most of us we don't have to you know we, we go out and play because we want to and that's a whole different situation from back in the day. I, we, we, all, we were joking on the video shoot. I said, Mick goes, remember we went out on the road for like 18 months and we were like touring all over the world and we busted our ass and we came home and had our first gold record and the record company said, you guys are doing great, man. You only, you only owe us a million bucks. And we're like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? You mean we're not getting any money? No, you owe us a million bucks. I'm like, shit. Because the videos at that time, like you said, on... Tooth and Nail, we did three videos. We're running about two hundred fifty thousand a pop, so it's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in videos alone. We had to pay that back. So uh, you know, it's those days are gone. Thank God. But you go on the road for a year and a half, and you come home, and there's all that that mythology, urban legend that rock stars are out making millions and millions and millions of dollars. Some are, some aren't. And right. but back in the eighties, we were playing arenas. We weren't we weren't getting rich. We we're just trying to keep going, you know. Right, Don. Don, let me ask you just just real quick. And and I'm not trying to betray a trust at all, but I'm just gonna say it. Outside looking in, that super stroke thing looks like one of two things: either a way to lure you to do another some more with Dokken, 
or a way to spite you for not doing docking, not getting back with them to do docking, I mean. Is either of those the truth? No. I don't think there is any, uh, you know, concept of doing that record like, oh, we're going to do all the original members of docking except on because he won't do it. We'll get Robert. I don't think that they, that honestly, I don't think that was their mindset at all. I think they love Robert. Robert played in Lynch Mob. He's super talented. He's a great singer. He's a good guy. I think they just, uh, you know, did it because they wanted to make music, you know, and wanted to do something. And I don't think there was any spite involved at all. You know, they know that I've been busy writing a new record, a new docking record. And I, you know, I said after Broken Bones, which has been almost four years, it's a long time for a band not to make a record. And I said it was my last one because of my health issues back then. But then I, I, I had, I talked to a lot of people. Uh, I had a long conversation one night with Kip Winger, and uh, and he was saying, you know, how come you don't want to do another record? And I said, because the record company says we want to sound like Tooth and Nail meets Back to the Attack meets Under Lock and Key, and this is the deal. And I'm like. And I'm not going to do it. That's like telling Paul McCartney, uh, we want you to write another record, but we want uh, Yesterday and The Long and Winding Road and Hey Jude. And it's just a ridiculous request. I'm in a different spiritual place in my life. I'm older. I see the world differently. How in the hell do you go back and just copy yourself? And my frustration with my peers that I tour with every year, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of bands out there and they make records every year, and to me it just sounds as the same old crap. You know, they just took their same formula, you might say, and they just regurgitate it and spin the words around a little bit. It's the same song. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like much fun. You know, so I didn't want to do that. But Kip said, you know, Don, if you want to write something different, you want to step out of the box, you want to take all these influences of all these Europeans I like, like bands like Opeth and bands like that, and inject that, do it in the side. But your fans want to hear docking, and they want to hear docking harmonies, and they want to hear those catchy riffs and the catchy melodies. Just do it. And I went, you got a point. So when he said that, I talked to John, and he says, you know, I go, you want to just do a straight-ahead, full-blown docking record without trying to plagiarize ourselves that was my fear i didn't want to plagiarize myself and just do a regurgitation like in my opinion a million bands from the 80s and the 90s do the same thing over and over and over and over again and it's boring and that's why they don't sell records so with that said it's some weird things happened i don't know what happened i I wrote three songs this week. They're done, finished. Three songs. You guys know me. I take forever to make a record. You know, I wrote three songs from, I mean, me, like, you know, I'll be lucky if I get a drum beat down for a week. I wrote three songs last week here at the, at the house, just on my Pro Tools rig. Done, finished, lyrics, music, arranged, finished. Because I kind of changed my mindset, like, I'm just going to write a song. If I like it, I like it. You know, if, I, if I'm not going to try to copy what I did in the past in the glory days, I'm not going to try to get all weird and, or not weird, but try to get gothy or new or modern. I'm just going to write what I think. And they came out great. I'm super happy. I have a new song called Stepping Into the Light. Kind of sounds like Paris. I've got a song, a new song that's killer, I think. It kind of reminds me a bit of Love. 
I've got it. And then the third song, it's um, kind of like a, it kind of sounds like Sweet Chains, you know? I mean, so there you go. There's three different, radically different songs, all written in five days flat. Wow, you're, you're going against the grain of being on docking time. You got that right. I got new rules in my life now. You know, I start eleven, start eleven in the morning. We take a little lunch break, have a coffee, stop at seven for dinner. Eleven o'clock hits. My engineer Darren Rondo, who's done like been working with me for fifteen years, goes, "Dude, it's eleven o'clock. Let's call it a day." Because I get manic. That's my problem. I get manic at night. I'm in the zone. The speakers are going. I got my bass on, my guitar on, the vocal mics up, and I can go to five o'clock in the morning. You know, I just get all, I just run on adrenaline, and I said, I'm going to make it, you know, really simple, and we're going to work, you know, eight, ten hours a day, and we're going to call it a day. Uh, I did broken bones. I had two engineers doing shifts. One guy came in for six hours, take a dinner break, he'd go home. The next engineer would show up, we'd do another five or six hours. That's just the way I was. It was like, you know, a tweaker you know, sessions, even though I don't do, even though I don't do drugs. <laughs> well, well, what, what do you think the new doc and record is shaping up to be like? Is it, is it uh, classic stuff or do you think it has more like a dysfunctional sound or do you, do... Mm, so far I'd say it's classical sounding. Yeah. It's very, it's very tooth and nail. Um, so far, except with the exception of the song um, that sounds like Sweet Chains meets Heaven Sent, you know, dark and kind of halftime and very moody, you know, that's, a, that's different from those albums, but I'm not, I'm just writing, but here's the good news, I mean, I had four years, John Levin wrote 20 ideas. I have 20 ideas on my iPhone. I've got 15 ideas on my re little recorder. There's so much music. Honestly, I have enough material for two albums. So I'm just going to pick the cherries and pick the best ones that speak to me. And I pull up my iPhone, I look at my little recorder, and I play something back, and I go, that's lame. You know, I go to the next one, I go, that's eh, okay. And I go to the next one, it says, you know, recorded August 2000. 15 and I start listening to it, I go that's pretty cool and then we run with that very cool now now Don um, uh, in the last two months of the year you did some shows without John Levin with uh, what is it with Ira Ira uh, Black. Black what a sweetheart that guy is I love that guy how were those shows um it was great I mean you know it was just an unfortunate thing you know a lot of people know that John's an attorney and that's what he. That's his side gig, you know. And he's a he's a lawyer, and he got trapped into a two year ongoing divorce. We all know about separation. Sometimes you get sour grapes, and one or the other just doesn't want to let it go. And he tried to settle this divorce for two years, and one of the persons in that case was not going to let it go, and he ended up in court and had to go in front of a judge and go to trial and have a jury. And he's like, "Oh man, I'm dreading this." You know, so he had to, and he couldn't get out of it. So I said, well, we got six shows booked. What do I do? And he said, well, if you can get somebody to fill in, you know, maybe the, maybe the trial will be over in two days. Maybe the trial will be over in a week. Maybe the trial will take a month. I don't know. I can't do the shows. Now, looking back, I wish you wanted, not because of Ira, I wish you would. I'd say that that tour I did with Ira was probably one of the hardest 10 days 
that I've done in 15 years. <laughs> it was brutally hard because, as you know, you guys are in Chicago. You know, the East Coast is getting crushed by weather. And right. we just froze our butts off, stuck at airports, flights canceled, freezing cold. You know, it just was every day it was something, something, something. And it was just a nightmare tour to do. But Ira was cool, and he stepped in. He's a good friend of mine, and I didn't have to worry about any uh, personality conflicts. The guy's a vegan, healthy liver, and a healthy living, and he's just really chill and mellow, and he stepped in. And, and you know, he plays with people like Morbid Angels, so this is a whole... Playing with Dawkins was, like, completely out of his bag. You know, but he's, he plays more in the death metal bands in Sweden and Norway and stuff like that. But So he stepped in. He did it. We had fun. And uh, he was a trooper. And I kept apologizing that we're sitting on the floor at the airport freezing our ass off for five hours trying to figure out how to get the hell out of here. And it was good, but it was a really, really tough tour. But, you know, we had fun. He did it. He loves docking. He loves the music. And he said, you know, it's a dream come true for me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this and he had fun and that was it and now john's back and uh we go on tour in about three weeks yeah well as far as that goes don just a little bit from a outsider's perspective you know when when you guys do something like that where you have like an ira black fill in or something right there was no press release, nothing that this was just a temporary situation at all. It it almost looked like as if John was out of the band. Yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of congratulation texts <laughs> going, "Hey, dude, congratulations! I, I know Irie's a cool guy, man. Congratulations on your new guitar player." I I didn't even respond. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, what am I gonna what am I gonna say, man? You know? Because I actually called John. I go, "What what the fuck's going on, dude?" He goes, "What mm-hmm. do you mean?" And I go, what what's happening? Are you out of the band or what? He goes, why did you hear something? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we got a lot of that. You know, they're like, you know, because you know, Ira was so different than John. He's got hair down to his ass, got a big long beard. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like guy like six three, and they're like, well, what's up? And they, you know, so I didn't want to get involved in it. I didn't want to respond. I didn't want to comment. I just thought, look, we're here to play docking songs. You want to, guys, it's about nostalgia. Relive in your past. Dig the songs you love. I'll do my best. I'll sing. Even I had a beard. I hadn't sang and I hadn't shaved in four months, and everybody was going like, what's with the beards? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, Mick, Mick didn't shave. I didn't shave. I was got a big beard. We look like ZZ Top, you know? <laughs> and I'm finally, the video came up the day of the video, and I said, and I think I better shave this beard. It's all gray and scraggy looking. And then I show up on set to do the video, and George has got scruff going on, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you going to shave that? And he goes, no. I go, all right, cool. You got, you got gray. Your, your beard's all gray. What a drag it is getting old. What a drag it is getting old. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was what it was, you know? So, I mean, we just, I think now things are different. We don't, you know, we don't have makeup people. We don't wear makeup. We don't worry about what we're wearing. We just show up, put some cool clothes on, get in front of the camera, do our job, knock out the video. Back in the day, we were a little more uh, felt under pressure from the whole 
lamb thing, and people are wearing their spandex, and their hair's piled up a mile high, and you got extra cold Aquanet, and the place reeks of Aquanet. Now, those days are gone. And for some bands, it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to ask you, Don, I, I sent you an article a couple of weeks ago about Facebook making a deal with uh, Universal Music, which obviously yeah. owns the you know the the back catalog for docking up up till what up to yep. up to dysfunctional yep and uh any thoughts on that does that affect you in any way do you anticipate any kind of residuals from that at all or do you just think it's just a lost cause for you know uh you know classic artists like yourself yeah i think that uh we're not going to see a dime Ugh. you know it's all bullshit you know, now it's on Facebook, and they're saying, you know, Facebook has a bazillion followers, and when people upload your songs, you'll make money. And I'm like, honestly, I don't believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't. We, we sell tens of thousands of downloads on iTunes a year, and honestly, I've not seen. Well, I have my checks. I have my two favorite checks one's for two cents, and one's for one cent. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I got two last year, and I laughed, and um, I was at Christmas time with Jessica and Tyler, and I said, okay, you guys, I have two envelopes here, and these are both royalty checks. And I didn't tell them what the what I said, but you guys have to pick which one. One of them's for more money, and one of them's for a lot less. And so <laughs> Tyler opens his, and he goes, shit, it's for a penny. <laughs> <laughs> So Jessica's like, I win, I win, I win. You know, she opens it up. Two cents, really? Uh, that was, sorry. <laughs> but I see money from, uh, sound, I say Sound Exchange is the only legitimate company out there that you can see thirty, forty, fifty $50,000 a year in royalties from Sound Exchange. They pay. They, they administer our music all over the world. They pay you. There's a billion companies that are sub 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 publishing us we see pennies you know they take the money and then you see the breakdown at the end of the year and it goes you generated ten thousand dollars and we took eighty percent administrative fees and ten percent for this and five percent for that and here's your five bucks <laughs> Jesus, such a ripoff so this whole facebook thing i'm sure that what's his face you know what they give him they probably gave him a gazillion dollars to have Universal buy into Facebook for music, and everybody made money, I'm pretty sure, you know, the Zuckerbergs, but I don't see, I don't think it's going to trickle down to us at all. And that's just the way it's been forever. I, I don't really care anymore. It is what it is, you know. That was one of my things, resisting on making a new record. I kept saying, what's the point? You know, if we make a record, spend $100,000, eight months of sweat and blood, put it out on Monday, free downloads on Friday. I'm not gonna see any money, so what's the point of making a record? And I had my epiphany that it's not about money, it's about making music. And right. so when I got into that mindset, I thought, well, I gotta make music. You know, I, I gotta make music, that's what I do for a living. This is what, what God or whoever that universal power is told me to do, and we're making another record. And Are we gonna make money? Probably not. You know, but you never say never. It only takes that one song to get into a, you know, $100 million movie and then ka-ching, you know? Yeah. 
Well, Don, you know, since you're going to spend the time to make a record and, you know, the Dokken fans obviously are going to appreciate that, you know, one of the things I've traveled with you for many years on the road, and, and the unfortunate part is because of your back catalog and your legacy, you you have to appease the fans who come out to see you because they want to hear the hits. At what point can you decide that you're going to include at least one or two of the new songs in your set list? Hopefully this year. I mean, I say it every tour, but hopefully this year, you know, I keep saying, you know, let's put this, do this song, let's do that song, let's do this deep track, let's do that one, let's do something up a lightning, let's do something up a long way home, let's do something off of uh, Broken Bones. But so far, when you're headlining, or co-headlining, and they give you an hour and 15, I don't know what to do. Um, I, we, we struggle with this every night. Okay, let's get rid of Breaking the Chains and put in Sweet Chains. Let's get rid of Into the Fire and put in uh, Till the Living End or Empire or, you know, I don't know what to get rid of because we're in this lucky place that when you come to see Doc, and basically the whole song is hit after hit after hit after hit after hit, which one do you get rid of? Now, if I could do like Metallica or Guns N' Roses, where they do a two and a half, three hour show, then we could throw in those deep tracks. But we're not in that situation, you know, so it's tough. You know, I don't know what to do. So we just play the hits and we throw in a couple songs that make us happy and that are a little more fun for me to sing. And we do Two Out of Fly, that wasn't a hit. You know, it was just a trippy, hippy-dippy songs, eight minutes long, and we still do it live because it's a vehicle for John to get to show his stuff as a guitar player. That's why we do it. But Doc, it's really hard. Maybe you should go and um, talk to Vince Neil. He'll teach you how to do it. He's doing a solid 45 minutes a night with two covers that he doesn't even sing. It's fantastic. Oh, you saw that show too, huh? <laughs> we saw we saw the the track listing with ten songs and two covers in that ten songs. It was like what the fuck? Actually, there was three. Yeah, I played <laughs> with them last year. Yeah, I'm happy for Vince. He went out and made his millions in the farewell Motley tour. But we played Sweden Rock last year with them. He was the headliner. We were right underneath them, and I was awestruck that he went on stage with basically his band is the Slaughter Guys. Right. And they did an Aussie song, a Black Sabbath song. They did a, they did a bunch of covers. And I'm like, why are you doing Aussie? Why are you doing Black Sabbath? Why are you doing Led Zeppelin? What the hell? And he disappeared for about half the set. And he went back to his little man cave, and he was sitting back there drinking his Cristal and and on his cell phone, and the band was out front playing Ozzy. Where's Vince? He wasn't on stage. I, I was just shocked. He's the headliner, and they're doing cover songs, and he's not on stage. And I'm thinking, this is wrong, you know? And when he was on stage, uh, you couldn't understand what he was saying anyway, so... <laughs> I got him down, you know. I, I, am a, I have a great, it's like this. Kickstart my heart. That's all I understand. I go, what the hell did you just say? He said, how, 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 
kicked her out of my heart. <laughs> I can't understand a freaking word he's saying. So, but that's Vince. I'm not bashing him. He's going to hear this and go and fuck Don Duncan. But you know, whatever. It's not, it's not my fault. They know how to sing. <laughs> well, but it was Don, weird. It and the promoters good. went nuts. I got a great Vince Steele story for you. All we're right. in Sweden. We're in Sweden Rock. There's like you know tens of thousands of people. And he, in his contract, said he wanted an A9 Audi SUV, I guess, to drive him to the stage because he doesn't do golf carts. You know, you got golf carts in the festival, dress rooms are far away, you hop in the golf cart, you go to the stage, and that's it. But he wanted an Audi A9, and the driving was 150 feet to the stage. He wanted a, 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 a girl driver in a limo suit, in a limo uniform, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, this is ridiculous. So apparently, rumor has it, he went to the stage, and after the show, he realized it was an A7, which is the exact same car looking. It just has a six instead of the turbo eight. But it was 100 feet. I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> And I thought, now this is rock stardom at its finest, you know. This is prima donna on a new, he makes David Lee Roth look humble. <laughs> Too funny. We were all tripping on that one. And the only people who saw him with us, the musicians, you know, the, the Audi pulls up, everybody gets in, they drive, they drive 100 feet, they stop, surrounded by bodyguards, everybody gets out, goes on the stage. The girl opens up with a nice big rack on her and get back in the car, drive 100 feet back to the dressing room. I was like, what the hell does that cost? I will say the promoter wasn't happy. But I said, I got no sympathy for you, dude. You shouldn't have allowed it, man. You know? How about how about the word no? <laughs> <laughs> well, how is 2018 shaping up for you as far as uh, live shows, Don? I mean, uh, I haven't awesome. really, I haven't really seen a, a lot of the... I've seen a few of the sporadic dates popping up here and there. But. Yeah, it's light right now. I mean, you know, it's only January. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of in a quandary of what to do because we've got offers for uh, Sweden... Rock. We got the Vakken Festival. It's gonna be fifty thousand people in August. We're already booked into August, but we have a show four days later in Korea. Huge festival at the Incheon uh, Penaport Rock Festival. And I'm just was today going. How are we gonna fly from L.A. to Sweden? Next day to Germany. Germany, Korea, Korea home. Two days off. It's going to be crazy brutal. We're talking 11, 12-hour flights a day, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, you know. So I haven't decided. Do I want to go back to Korea? Sure, it'd be a blast. You know, they paying us good money? Sure. But I don't know if I can fly from L.A. to Sweden, play a huge festival, next day fly into the, the famous Vakken Festival in, outside of Hamburg, two days off, hop on a plane, 12 hours, go to Korea, Turn around, twelve hours back to L.A. I'm not sure it's worth it. It's not. A, I'm not sure it's worth the beat down. You know. So uh, that's what's going on right now. We got, you know, right now we got you know five shows in February. We got five shows in March. We got four shows in April. We got one, two, three, four, five, six in May. We got two in July. We got two in June, and we're going to fill all that in the next two months. But 
it looks like it's going to be a good year. Looks like we're going to be pretty busy. But um, unfortunately, I mean, for the American fans, we have a lot of shows in Europe: Germany, Sweden, France. So we got Italy, England, Switzerland, Ish, two in Spain. Um, you know, it's a lot of. We're going to be popping around the globe. So we'll we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know. It's just it's only, you know, two weeks into eighteen. So right now we've already got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, eighteen, nineteen. We got twenty shows on the books. So we'll see. We plan on doing a hundred shows this year. That's that's kind of my oh. cutoff point. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Ideally, how many shows a year do you want to do? Just a hundred. About a hundred. Yeah, I like to I like to fly on Thursday, play Friday and Saturday, home on Sunday. Go in my garden, you know, work on. Up oh, there's Cody. Hey, stop bugging the coyotes. <laughs> and um, and you know, and we go to Europe, you know, because it, you can't really tour Europe anymore. Because you can do six shows in Germany, or you can do the Rock Festival in front of fifty thousand people in one shot. So it's better just to go do one. And just cover the whole trip. Go to Sweden, you could do four shows. Or you can play the huge Sweden Rock Festival and do one. But the problem is, most of the bands that play those festivals are European bands. And they live right. there. They hop on a plane, two hours, they're there. Us, 12 hours. A lot of work. And I'm not as young as I used to be. Mick's the hardest one. He, he doesn't like flying, man. He's all, he gets all beat up. That's probably because he has four Jim Beam double Cokes for breakfast, so that might have something to do with it. That's the breakfast of champions. Yeah, that's what they say, but when you get 61, I'm like, I'm counting them. We did a, we did a math test on him a couple weeks ago. We figured out what he drinks a day over a year, and we did we broke it down to, you know, two doubles, three for the plane, one on the plane, at lunch, for the show. It's 55 gallons a year. 55 gallons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And he goes, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I go, oh, dude, your liver's screaming, man. He goes, yeah, you know, we're, and that's not including the Coca-Cola. So, but, you know, I don't, that's his life, and he seems to play fine, but uh, I can't drink alcohol for breakfast because I just can't do it. <laughs> Can you imagine having like four margaritas? Can you imagine having three double Jim Beam and Cokes at 10 in the morning or 8 in the morning? You're cooked. By noon, you're done. It's nap time. I think we just heard your blabbermouth headline. I can't drink Jim Beam for breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah. It just doesn't taste the same with my cornflakes. So, you know, we all have our demons and uh, God bless them and we do the best we can. Mick has the hardest job in the band. We all know that. He's the drummer. You know, his knees are starting to hurt, and his feet, and his arms, and his elbows, and his fingers. And, you know, he's got a tough job, man. He's the drummer. And and I've told him, play lighter. Don't play so hard. He can't. Mick only knows how to play one way. That's just like pedal to the metal. He doesn't know how to do anything else. Oh. Well, Don, uh, recently I ran across a, a little old movie that you debuted in was uh, Tommy Chong's Far Out Man. Oh, God. And uh, they popped, yeah. that popped up on Amazon the other day as a recommended movie, and 
near the beginning of the movie, there's there's you and John Norum and a couple other guys yeah. rocking out in that movie. Can you tell us uh, your recollection of being part of that? Well, it was just, I don't know. It was just uh, not a good movie. But, you know, I know Tommy. <laughs> Uh, Tommy, when I had my recording studio, 710, for 12 years, he was making uh, a, a comedy album called the, 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 what was it called, The Family Chong or something like that. I don't think he ever put it out. I have a copy of it somewhere. It's hilarious. I mean, some of the jokes. He has wipe in there. His kids in there. It was hilarious. And he was in my studio, and he wanted to go make a record. And I said, well, I'm going on tour with Alice Cooper. The studio's sitting there empty. Why don't you just go and make a record? You know, just kick down a couple hundred bucks once in a while to my engineer and go do it. So he did. So we became friends. And that's like I said before many times, one of my, my favorite pictures of everything I've ever done in my life as far as famous people or whatever. And one of my favorite photos is me and Tommy Chong and George Harrison. We're all... At the same place we filmed that movie, up on a top of a hill in uh, Topanga, where we did shot the video, Walk Away. So one of my favorite pictures of me and Tommy and George, and that was one of my great memories that I got to jam with George Harrison, which was, which was, uh, it's just, it was just mind-boggling experience for me. So I told Tommy, I'll be in your movie. He said, I'm going to do a movie up here. I'm going to do a couple scenes, you know, with Martin Mull. And the joke is, you know... I'm talking to my psychiatrist, and I'm trying to have a conversation, and the music's blasting in the background, and Martin says, can you turn the music down a little bit? And the camera pans over, and it's us. There's a whole band playing. You know, that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was the gag. The gag is, he, you know, Tommy is an ex-rock star guy, and he has a whole band play for him for breakfast. Right. That, that was the joke in the, in the movie. So I knew Tommy all these years, and we did that, and I said, okay, you owe me one. So when I did uh, Mirror, Mirror on the Up From the Ashes album, Tommy is in that video. That's how the video starts. You see this old guy come in. He's he's blind. He's got a cane. And right. he's going, where's Don Doc? And he stole my song. And and then Melissa, my old girlfriend, the engineer, she's like, but but that's that's his song. Well, I know. He goes, well, I know the lyrics are different. And, well, the music's different. And. Everything's different, but that's my song. <laughs> I'll take five dollars then. Yeah, I'll take five dollars. Fine, okay. It's not my song, but it could have been my song and give me five bucks. That was a joke of one of his characters he used to do in a stand-up routine. So he played. He was in my video. I was in his movie. You know, he he recorded his album in my studio. We're just friends, and it was a lot of fun doing it. And it was a nice little funny thing. The movies, the movie makes no sense to me. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just, I've seen the movie, I went to the premiere, and I'm like, I don't get it, uh, what the hell's going on, you know, it's just too much pot on set or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 you were really, you know, you were really rocking out in that scene, now, were you actually the one jamming on that, that tune? Yeah, I wrote it, I recorded it, that's me playing, and it was <laughs> Some rip. He said, "Write a song, right? Just give me like a bar. Just give me a rock and rip." I went, "All right." So I just wrote a song real quick, and they played it back, and we're we're doing it. <laughs> Man, that's the first time this band ever got together. Absolutely, and I think John was playing bass or something. <laughs> I think I'm playing guitar, and he's playing bass. Yeah, or something you're just weird. you're just ripping on the guitar, banging your head, and just tearing it up. 
Yeah, it was hilarious. I think the drummer was the guy from XYZ or something. <laughs> it was like, you know, we just threw it together, and Tommy called me and says, this is the gag that I'm blasting my stereo, and the psychiatrist can't hear what I'm saying, so he asked me to turn the music down, and the camera comes over, and it's a freaking band playing. So uh, we just threw it together. It was fun. Yeah. You know, it was fun. You know, those are the things in life are fun. Just like doing the chicken commercial where I'm... <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the Norton virus. Yeah, me and the dead chicken with a switchblade. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's you, the fun thing. That's the fun things in life you get to do. Sure, absolutely. Well, Don, uh, we we uh, we're always looking forward to a new product from Dokken and you know the new DVD. When did you say that that's supposed to hit the street? Uh, hoping, I think February first. You know, first week of February. I mean, I've I've turned all the DVD in. I've authored it. We've done the artwork, all the credits. The backstage footage is pretty lengthy on this DVD. There's a lot of stuff from Japan, a lot of stuff from South Dakota. Um, you know, just backstage uh, bonus footage. And it's up to the record company. Frontiers is putting it out. And honestly, I've moved on, just like George has moved on with Super Stroker or Stoker or <laughs> Smoker or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> Super know, Stroke. And Super Stroke. Isn't that some kind of intense masturbatory thing or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm just doing the docking record, and I've already cranked out four songs. So I've been working on the record for a week, and I'm already a third done, and I plan on having three more next week, and then three after that. And I told everybody, look, I'm doing three songs a week. That's what I'm going to do. In one month, we'll have 12 songs and maybe one more, and we'll pick the 12, 11 best, and we're going to go in the studio and cut this record the days of eight month projects is over you know let's just make it do it mix it sing it the best we can let john shred on it and put it out there so i would say uh, the, the new docking album is going to be out by summer that's a given i say all right 2020 it is <laughs> and then you know it's a super stroker doker smoker doker does well, then maybe I'll I'll, I'll do the next one. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't keep up with George. He's got a lot of projects going. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Jeez, Louise, man, that guy's like. I think it's great. You know, anybody that can be that prolific and play with so many great musicians and crank out so much music. I mean, I think it's. I'm just super. I'm happy for him. I love George. I'm happy for him, and he's making music, and being creative. And I didn't know that Oni left Lynch Mob. Well, what the hell are they going to do now? Probably work with Robert Mason. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he better talk to the Warren guys about that. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, I'm not involved with it. And uh, I would think that Warren's busy this summer. Warren's busy in the spring. Jeff's going to be out with Foreigner. I don't know how they could cram that into all our busy schedules, but, uh, you know, hey, Axel did ACDC and Guns N' Roses at the same time. Yeah, that's true. Well, let me ask you something real quick, Don, and I know you have some definite thoughts on this, but uh, as you're well aware, the three, three-fifths of the members of Guns N' Roses reunited for Not In This Lifetime tour being Duff, Slash, and obviously Axel and... You know, they went out and toured the world for the last 18 months, and that tour grossed $400 million uh, me. over 18 months. And You're kidding me. No, 400, not, 
four hundred million. Four hundred million dollars over. That's the gross. And, in, uh, in less than two years. Yeah, in less than two years. And my question is, is being that in reality, and Chris and I were talking about this at the beginning of the show, that in reality, Guns N' Roses has basically three albums, uh, you know, Appetite for Destruction and then the Use Your Illusion releases. One and two. And yeah, then, for, yeah, for the most part, they've got th- yeah. three albums. Right. How amazing is that, that a band like Guns N' Roses can go out 30 years later and gross that kind of money basically on the on the strength of three records? Uh, I think it's mind-boggling. That's a, that's a crazy amount of money, and God bless them for Well, I think Motley made a crazy amount of money, too, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But then again, you know... When you say that kind of money, you say, oh, they made $400 million. But, yeah, you see their production, the lights, the PA, the trucks, the semis, 50 people on the crew. Their overhead was millions and millions of dollars a week. So when you, when you think about that, $400 million, okay, you got 30% to the feds. So now you're down to a little under, little over $200 million. Then you got your managers getting 10%. Now you're down to $200 million. Then you got all the other bullshit, and you got four, whatever they split the money, whatever, which way. Now you're down to, you know, they all probably walked away with 50 million bucks. Well, that's, you you were, you were really close because that's how Chris and I broke it down. We figured that Duff and Slash maybe got 25 million, and Axel Mm -hmm. probably took 50. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, that sounds realistic. I mean, I mean that's that's uh, that's a lot of Ferraris, <laughs> but you know you can burn through that money. Look, I I know better than a lot of a lot of people. You could have twenty million bucks in the bank. You go out and buy a Basquiat or a Twombly or a Monet for thirty million bucks one painting. Then you go out and buy a Basquiat for like uh, I think it was a Lars Ulrich. He he sold one one of his paintings for fourteen billion. And he paid four or five million for it. And you know, if you want to go crazy and do stuff like that, you know, it sounds like an insane amount of money to us regular people that have to, you know, dig ditches for a living. You can burn through that money very easily. I learned the hard way that your income, you know, only matches your outcome. And if you live humble and modest, you can live on fifty grand a year. But if you're out buying five million dollar paintings and you got fifty million bucks in the bank, and let's say you buy five in just two years. There's twenty million bucks. Now you're down to twenty. Then you buy a twenty million dollar mansion, thinking that's no big deal. But your overhead keeping the place up is a couple million bucks a year. You can go broke. <laughs> Jesus. Ask, ask Vince. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's burned through a few chuckles in his life. Yeah, a few. That's the last guy that should be living in Las Vegas. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not trying to bag on him, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you can burn through it. You can burn through it. I know people in my life, you know, I live up in the hood in BH, and there's people up here I've seen just go, just burning through the money, man, like nobody's business. And they're millionaires, and they do something good in the stock market, and they make five million bucks, and they piss it away, and they invest in Bitcoin, and, you know, and then it goes belly up, and 
you know, it doesn't really matter. You just got to be careful and be prudent. Uh, I'm very in a good space in my life, you know. You know, I got it. I have I have my three dreams. So I have my house in L.A. I have my house in France. I have a house in New Mexico. <laughs> you know, I have my little places I can go to. You know, now I'm getting ready to buy a little place in the outside the countryside of England, which is a small little country house. And so I got all these places I can visit, and they're all kind of uh, modest, kind of. <laughs> and, you know, it all works out, man. It's all, you know, Airbnb, man. You know, you just run them out when you're not there. And and I live pretty modest, you know. My my The most expensive thing in my life is my 64 Stingray. <laughs> that's, my big, that's my big investment. That's my baby. I got my 64 Stingray, you know, frame-off restoration. That's like, that's that's everything. If I go broke, I can sleep in it. <laughs> with my dog Cody of course you know he gets the right seat and I get the left seat you know so but it's all you know these people 400 million though I can't I can't grasp that I can't grasp that kind of money yeah it's it's too if that's real I mean it's just a that's a lot of money man it is I agree and, and what do you do with it I mean you gotta you gotta take note on people like uh Steve Jobs. You know? He's what is he worth? Three billion dollars and then he got cancer and twelve months later he was gone. So money doesn't buy happiness. You know, everybody knows that I lived a pretty big life when I was with Elizabeth I mean a uh, Lady E and you know, I lived the life and you live in the mansion and you have the cars and you have all the money and you travel around the world and it doesn't mean anything. If you're not happy and you're stressed out every day, I know people that live very, very average, normal lives, and I'm totally jealous because they seem to be at such peace and so happy and spiritually aware of the world. And that's my only dilemma right now because John says, well, you're writing all these songs about stuff that nobody knows about. And I said, I know, you know, I get stressed out about uh, Madagascar. You know, it's one of the most beautiful places in Africa in the world. It was a beautiful rainforest that's given us oxygen. And the last 10 years, they burned the whole country. 90% of Madagascar is gone. 90%. They burned it down for, for, um, for charcoal. 90%. It's gone. Bye-bye. See ya. It's all gone. Just one big piece of dirt now. They, and they and they go, well, what was it, oil, you know, pollution? No, they just cut the trees down, made charcoal, you know, 10% Jeez. left. Things like that really bum me out. Myanmar, you know, the tens of thousands of Buddhist monks that are getting killed every year, all these things that people don't even know about, that's what I'm writing about in this record. You know, I, I, I it, it makes me crazy and upsets me. And don't even get me started on Trump, so. <laughs> <laughs> The poor, the poor little narcissist. <laughs> but you know, people love Trump. You know, there's millions of people that love him, and there's people that don't. And and honestly, all my friends want to talk about Trump did this, and Trump said that. And I'm like, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more concerned about uh, Madagascar burning down 90 percent of their country. I don't, I don't give a shit what Trump's doing. Not my problem. You know, I'm just going to write lyrics about what I think are important. And I can't get involved in the big wheels of government, you know, and I can't get look guys live in Chicago, man, you guys are getting your ass kicked. The East Coast's been ass kicked. We've had hurricanes this year, storms, floods, 
and you got these guys that are the CEOs of their oil companies. They're now the heads of the EPA and their head of all this stuff and tell, and tell everybody there's no global warming. Are you high? I mean, these people, this kind of stuff I try not to get get upset about because it affects my day. So I'm just cool that my dog's healthy and, uh, you know, and I go walking in the daytime and look up at the sky and it's blue and the clouds are out. And I'm like, it's a good day. So everybody should take that attitude. Excellent. As far as relationships, relationships, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> Now you sound That's, just like us, Don. Jeez. You got, yeah. We're all jaded, man. Chris, Wendell, me, it's like relationships, really. That's a lot of work. Diminish, total diminishing returns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, man, we invest so much time and love and relationships, and and then you wait, and then the, the shoe drops, and you're like, what the hell happened? You know, so <laughs> well, you- I'm over well, you made a lot of money off of writing songs about that. I did, you know. I did make a lot of write a lot of songs about love found, lost, hope, regret, sadness. Come back if you don't, I will kill you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, we did it. But uh, I'm kind of not in that headspace anymore. I'm just at peace in my life, and I'm grateful to be healthy and cancer free and. Just try to live a good life, guys, and make some good music. Go out and sing the best I can, and and I and uh, I don't have any fantasies. I'm gonna go out and make forty million bucks next year. That's for sure. <laughs> nice. The truth is, if I made it, I'd just give it away. I would. Who wouldn't? You give it away, man. Cancer research, charity, St. Jude's. Look at guys like Warren Buffett. Those are my heroes. Bill Gates. They gave everything, all of it billions away they're giving it all the way to charity when they go those are real people man they're giving it away mm. i think that's the bomb hey wait i think i might write a song about that <laughs> all right don well i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna have to come out to la and we'll go have some have some dinner at the roku again oh man that place is the bomb isn't it it is it ain't cheap but it's good <laughs> <laughs> that is true but it's uh, it's good, you know, and you, come, you guys know either one. You can always come to L.A. I got plenty of room. Excellent. Come up here. Come up in the hood, and we'll go up to Starbucks, and we might run across Gene Simmons, and we can harass him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys, have, I'll let you get back to your show. Have a good time. Uh, I'll get this record done post-haste, so just tell the fans that be expecting a new record. Not in another two years, you know, like in June, it'll be out. Right. All right, Don. Well, we always appreciate you being so candid and coming on the show and supporting us. And we're in our 23rd year, so uh, 23 years. Yeah. You've lasted longer than any of your relationships. That is absolutely true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy if I can make it 12 months. <laughs> Shit. I don't know what's wrong, man. I was like, uh, 23 years, really? Yeah. That's longer most people stay married. Yep. That's weird. Yeah, but you know what? The good thing about not, you know, being single and or kind of single, you, 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 it's like getting to drive a different car every day. It's kind of good. Absolutely. All right, guys. Take care, Chris. Good to hear you. Good to talk yep. to you. Stay out of trouble. And uh, life is good. Everybody stay happy. And I'll see you guys on the road like shortly all right don well i'm gonna 
send a song out to Madagascar since it is a, a pet uh, peeve of yours, and I'm going to play. Is. I'm going to play something from your "Up from the Ashes" release. Okay. And I'm going to play some "Down in Flames." Yeah, that's pretty appropriate. <laughs> Idiots burn. Yeah, I got a good idea. Let's burn our country down, and then what do we do? I don't know. I mean, that's stupidity. All right, Down in Flames, good title. Take care, guys. Talk to you later. All right, Don, we'll talk soon. All right, bye-bye.